0: It's the weekend, so relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 27 There was nothing moving in the city that night. No sign of life on the streets of Toronto. It was long past an hour when even those up to no good called in a night and went home. The thick haze had started to shift at last. It was damp and claustrophobic, but at least it was now in motion. The air of menace was still thick, but the breeze brought with it anticipation and a dreadful note of preparation. Two figures made their way from doorway to doorway, staying just outside the pools of gaslight from above— They were making their way to the only signs of life on the street, the light shining from the windows of Fong's laundromat. A slender Chinese woman behind the counter at Fong spotted them at a distance and called an alert to her employer in their native tongue. Fong hurried to the window. There had been much traffic through the hidden portal earlier in the evening. Many men had left the secret lair of the crime cabal, but those few who had returned had done so more than an hour ago. "'Fong had little compunction about aiding and abetting the commission of criminal activity. "'To his way of thinking, the laws of this country were so helplessly skewed against him and his countrymen "'they could fend for themselves. "'He was less comfortable about violating the laws of nature. "'Fong had learned from years of dealing with the shady side of the law "'to pay as little direct attention as possible to exactly who passed in and out of his shop. "'That had not changed.' but it was impossible for him to ignore the fact that there was something unnatural about some of the soldiers of the crime cabal. Through the corner of his eye, Fong had seen the great lumbering giants, their faces painted to resemble mortal flesh. He knew not what sort of demon spirit had been invoked by these new would-be overlords of crime, but he had an aching feeling in his heart that no good would come of it. Fong glanced quickly up and down the street. No sign of police. He barked an order over his shoulder, and his employees began to clear the trapdoor of the bundles of laundry that shielded it from discovery. He turned back to the window and could see that one of the men had been injured, badly enough that he was leaning heavily on this fellow. Fong cursed quietly under his breath. These were the risks of crime, but he was not a man whom risks pleased greatly. Fong recognized the man who had been hurt. The man had passed through his shop many times, always full of contempt for Fong and his family. "'Fong would shed no tears for this man if he succumbed to his wounds. "'The bigger man, on whom his wounded comrade leaned, "'had the unwholesome look of one of the crime cabal's demon spirits, "'as Fong held them to be. "'Fong was careful not to meet the gaze of the great beast in man's form "'as the two of them staggered into his shop. "'He hurried the two behind the counter with a steady stream of encouragement, "'composed almost entirely of the worst obscenities his mother tongue could summon, "'couched in an obsequious tone.' The trap door creaked open and Fong hurried the men underground while shouting instructions for one of his daughters to clean up the trail of blood that the injured man had left behind him. After what felt to Fong like an eternity, the pair finally disappeared into the darkness below and the trap slammed shut. Fong breathed heavily with a silent prayer of thanks. This was becoming too complicated. He looked out the windows at the thick, grimy night air moving now at last no good would come of any of this. In the darkness, at the base of the ladder, the wounded man leaned heavily on the zombie helping him. He staggered slightly, bringing him close to the monster's ear. "'What now?' the wounded man whispered. "'Quiet,' came the reply, intense but almost inaudible. Seconds after the trap was sealed, a light came on, triggered by a timer. The injured man's head turned around quickly to take in his surroundings. The bigger man, who wore an oversized coat and his hat pulled low, squeezed the arm of the injured man hard, as if to remind him that he had been here many times before and should try not to look otherwise. Before them stood a great steel door, which looked unassailable from any angle. The man could see two slots in the door, one horizontal at eye level, the other vertical at a height that a pistol might be fired from. In the limited space of the alcove in which they stood, it was clear that they were sitting ducks should that second opening come into play. Suddenly, with a great clatter, the peephole slid open. Case! said a voice on the other side of the door. You're alive! Just barely, the wounded man sputtered. There was a hesitation on the other side of the door. Something was wrong. On the other side of the great steel door, the pork pie hatted gangster hesitated. It looked just exactly like Case Burmel, but there was something about the voice. He drew his pistol from the shoulder holster. He peered at the zombie with Burmo. He was big, all right, but not quite big enough, and it looked almost like he was trying to hide his face. That didn't seem... didn't seem... All at once he felt something, like creeping tendrils growing inside his mind. His vision blurred just for an instant. He shook his head and thrust his eyes back to the peephole, the zombie raised its head, and it was now clearly visible as the genuine article. "'Come on, what's the hold-up?' Burmel's voice rang from the other side of the door. "'I'm dying out here! I need the dock bad!' The man in the pork-pie hat shook his head hard. That was Burmel's voice, all right. He felt a twinge of shame at his cowardice hiding behind the door, jumping at shadows when it was so obvious that Burmel was really there, waiting to be admitted into the cabal's sanctuary. The great steel door swung open with a clatter, and Burmel staggered in, still supported by the zombie. Geez, Case, the man said. I'm sorry. You want I should help you? Nah, Burmel shook his head. Stay on guard. I'll make it all right. Right, Case. The man swung the enormous steel door shut with a clang that sent shivers up Burmel's spine. As the door shut the long hallway that ran beneath the city street illuminated with lights mounted near the ceiling on the left and right sides every fifteen feet or so. It looked less like a tunnel or a mine shaft than it did a cold industrial facility. Or a prison. The two set off down the hallway as quickly as Bermal's injuries would allow. As they moved away they could hear a receiver being lifted and a two digit exchange being hastily dialed. Calling for help? Brummel whispered so low that only his undead companion could hear him. "'Internal system,' the zombie replied sotto voce without moving his lips or betraying any sign. "'Probably calling ahead. "'No reason to panic until... "'Until?' "'Until it's much too late. "'Now be quiet.' The zombie tromped heavily as they moved, partly because it was simply how he was supposed to move, but mostly to obscure their voices should the tunnel be bugged with hidden microphones. He kept his head low under the wide brim of his hat. On the off chance there were peepholes along the way to observe their progress. There had not been time to perfect both disguises. Parker's bermel disguise was as perfect as he could make it in a short time, complete with realistic-looking wounds and bruises. His own zombie disguise was much less perfect and would not bear as much scrutiny before it would reveal that the lumbering undead newly admitted to the passageway was none other than the Red Panda. His face and domino mask were covered by a loose layer of a quick-drying rubber he used to mold disguises with. Applied thick and somewhat haphazardly, it could pass for the shapeless features of the undead soldiers of Professor Zombie. The Red Panda had taken the gamble that few people, even members of the crime cabal, would make direct eye contact with the reanimated dead. Well, Bermul would likely need to bear much closer scrutiny. Behind them, they could hear the man at the first door speaking into the phone. They could hear nothing of the content, but his tone was enthusiastic, excited even. All seemed well. They neared the second door. While they were still twenty feet away, the peephole snapped back. The red panda began exerting the hypnotic powers of his mind, reinforcing that which the men already believed they saw case they heard a voice cry it's him all right hurt bad but still walking the voice said excitedly to someone beyond the range of the peephole they heard a clanging as the bar and locks of the great door began to be pulled open from somewhere on the other side of the door they could hear a telephone ring gate two they heard a second voice say as the receiver was lifted and a moment later hold on the noises of the great door preparing to open were stopped from the other side of the door they could hear one half of a sotto voce conversation that turned into an argument. Still the door did not open. "'What's the hold up? Parker called in Bermel's voice, thanks to the hypnotic powers of the Red Panda. The two men waited, sweating. The Red Panda rued his choice to travel as a zombie. These mute soldiers could not speak without setting off alarms and bringing a rain of death through the slots in the door." and each of these looked large enough to accommodate a machine-gun barrel. If only he could use his voice, he could hypnotize the men into opening the door. Mental projection could reinforce their disguises, but it could only go so far. At last they heard the metallic clatter begin anew. Finally, said the phony Burmel. No, the red panda said softly. The vertical slots in the door sprang open in an instant, and machine-gun fire burst forth and continued half a minute. The men firing could not believe their orders, but they dared not disobey. They watched, horrified, as they poured hot leaden death into the two men in the tunnel. This is Jack Ward, and on behalf of everyone here at the Mutual Audio Network, we wish you, your family, and all your friends safe harbor during these difficult times.